<laughs> Still not. All right, so we're going to start um, Start up soon. So this one, someone said, that'd be great. Cool, so welcome to CU. Um, so we're like a Christian group on campus. You know, we, um, we believe God's, you know, pretty cool. Um, we um, believe that the Bible is God's word. And so you're just a uni group who um, meet on campus every Wednesday night. Um, yeah. So if you all have a look at your handout or the Bible's on your table or your phones, feel free to read along. We're reading from Psalm 73, which is close enough to the middle. All right, let's read. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have, they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from the burdens common to man. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves in violence. From their callous hearts comes iniquity. The evil conceits of their minds know no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how can God know? Does the Most High have knowledge? This is what the wicked are like, always carefree. They increase in wealth. Surely in vain have I kept my tongue, my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued. I have been punished every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. As a dream when one awakes, so when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Well, good evening. Hello. Yes, welcome. Uh, I'll just set myself up here. That's everything going off. How's everyone tonight? Good, good. Week seven. Yeah, it's great. Not awesome. Um, If you don't have one of these, you need to pull one of these out. It's a pen. Uh, And we've got some handouts. Hey, boys, thanks for coming. You got got a handout? You got a handout? Megan, is there any handout player? They're all dissipated. They're all dissipated. Anyway, yeah, maybe you guys want to join one of those other tables here. Feel free to jump in. There's a couple of tables here. Jump in, jump in. Come on, get a bit, get a bit more cosy with us. We're going through a special series in the Psalms, uh, a playlist from the heart to God. Uh, today we're looking at Psalm 73. Um, if you if you like to use a Bible, there's some of the tables here. This one here is on page, excuse me, 434. <laughs> Look up page 434 if you know if you have a Bible. Um, Cool. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start talking. Okay, here we go. Psalms. 
Have you met someone in your life, in your life, a person in your life, who has succeeded, done well in life, uh, but at the expense of other people? Someone who's, who's done well in life, but at the expense of other people. Or maybe someone who's maybe produced the same product or done the same thing as you have. You're, doing, you're both doing the same job, but they are getting more recognition, more credit than you. Is there anyone that you know that's like, don't shout it out, it's probably out there, are people in real life that are like that. Okay, so maybe an example is, here you go. Who loves group projects? No one, that's great. Who, in who has been in a group project? Okay, cool. So yeah, 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 at the start of the trimester, you get together with a group, you get, you get delegated a group to sit with about, what, five, four people, four people, let's say. Um, you're meant to all put in the equal amount of work. Okay, everyone has to do 25%, four people, 25% of the work. And if you get your work done soon, you're meant to help each other out. It's meant to be a group project, a group activity. You slave away, right? You, you get it done, you know, and you finally submit your, your completed group project. A few weeks later, the, the, the results come out for it. And the day that it comes out, you check the result, what you, you get, what your grade is for that project, your mark. And, uh, you know, you're pretty happy. You've got a distinction. That's good enough, isn't it? A distinction's pretty good, isn't it? Isn't that good, Roshi? If you've got a distinction in your group project, that's nice, isn't it? Okay? But you want to know what your other group members got. Don't you? You want, to, no. you want to know, don't you? <laughs> so, how's the conversation go? You, 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 know, you might see a mate in class again. Hey, what, what did you get? Well, they say, well, I got a high distinction. What did you get? You worked for eight, nine, ten weeks together. You put in the same amount of effort, but for some reason, you got a, low, you got a lower grade. That kind of sucks, doesn't it? What's your response? Well, that's not fair. How, how did he get a better mark than me? What did she do that I didn't do? What did, what did she withhold that she should have shared with me? Because I shared everything that I had. I shared all my knowledge. That's not fair. That's just a taste of what the real world is like, isn't it? The, the, the real world that we live in. On the one hand... You get someone insanely successful, insanely powerful person, but they're later exposed as someone who's evil, someone who's done corrupt things in their life to get their success. One hand is that, is that, and on the other hand, you know, we hear of the kindest, most loving, most, you know, nicely nice people in life, but they're poorly treated. They're, they're, they're treated like dirt. They are suffering for no apparent reason, for no apparent evil or, or bad things that they've done in their life. And our psalm today, and, and, the, uh, and, the, and the author, a psalm of Asaph, that's the name of, this, of, the, of the writer of this psalm. <clears throat> um, he's, he's a musician, right, in God's temple. And he's reflecting on this very issue, on this very problem that we have that is still relevant for us today. Particularly in the angle where wicked people, he calls them wicked in this psalm, you know, they, they actually seem to get it better than all the good people and all, all the people who are trying to do all the right things in life. You know, shouldn't it be that good people, hardworking people, get the rewards and the, and the bad scheming people, shouldn't they be penalised 
for doing the bad things. Isn't that how it works? Well, in the world that I think you and I live in, this is not the case. We can't assume that this is going to be the normal. And so, what do we do about this? What are we going to do? How do we go through life, throughout, through our entire life, and, and particularly at uni, seeing people who do corrupt things, maybe even evil things, which lead them to be more successful than us, which lead them to have maybe a better life than you and me, while there are others, like you and me, perhaps are doing honest things with integrity, with being good-willed towards our brother or sister, but we don't necessarily get ahead in life. We don't necessarily get a better life. This song, this, this poem here, that this psalmist is writing here, written to God, is to remind us that when we see corrupt behaviour in our world, that, that seems an attractive way to live, maybe, that we should be reminded that God is God who will ultimately judge that behaviour and he will judge everyone fairly. That's what we're going to be reminded of today here. So first, let's look at, let's look at in Psalm here, Psalm 73. And we're going to first look at who is God and who is the psalmist. See, in verses 1, and that's the first verse, and the last verse, verse 28, these two verses that bookend the psalm, uh, they tell us a bit about the character of God. That's what we've learned. So the first word there, what, will you read that? What's the first word that's used in the psalm? Someone said it? Who said it? What's the word? Shout it out. Truly. Truly or surely. Okay, that's not hard, was it, eh? Truly or surely. Now, that, that's, that's particularly talking about guarantee, like 100% guarantee, okay? Particularly in what God here, this is what's used in the context of, God being at work in the history of Israel, in, in human history, okay? So, if you are 100% sure about something being true or something eventually happening, you'd say, surely, surely that's going to happen. Surely, I'll pass my subjects this trimester because I've done every single assignment. I've submitted them all. Okay? Surely, if I give her flowers, she'll love me. Maybe, right? <laughs> Surely, the Geelong Cats will win this year because they've had a good season. Yeah, yeah good on you, mate. <laughs> Tell Daniel that, eh? Okay, this guy knows for certain, but this guy knows for certain, God has been good to Israel. He's been good to Israel. Okay? Because you remember, just remember in the Old Testament, remember that God made promises to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. Through this special relationship with God and Abraham, God will allow Israel to prosper, to grow as a big nation, to be prosperous in the promised land. And he does this out of the goodness, out of his own heart, because he loves people. And in Christianity, followers of Jesus know what it is like to have experienced the goodness of God. Because Christianity is about being in relationship with God. It's being in communion or, or in, in close, intimate relationship with Him. To communicate, to share honestly with God. To be 100% assured that He loves you through Jesus. To know that you were created with a purpose. You are dearly loved by God, the God of the universe. And these things, these are the things that Christians experience with certainty. It's why in verse 28 here, he 
He sings this song that it is good to be near to God. It is good to be near to him. He's going to sing his praises of what the things that he's done in his life because he knows God is in control. He's in control. He has kept his promises. But in verses 2 and 3 here, you see here, we see a massive difference between God and Asaph, this, the author of this psalm. In these verses, even though the psalmist is assured, 100%, surely that God is good, he's good to him, he's good to his people, sure, but there is doubt that creeps in his head. There is doubt, which almost causes him to turn his back on God. Almost. And it's because of this, this the reason is because he, he envied the arrogant. Verse 3, he envied the arrogant. What does envy mean? Does anyone just quick, quick English thing? Envy? What does envy mean? Jealousy. Jealousy. He was jealous. He even like desired that, that kind of person's attribute or life or thing or whatever it is. You desire that so much, right? Envy, right? And as a human, when he saw how the godless people, the arrogant, had that, that, that they had no need for God, but they were prospering in life. He probably thought, well, why isn't my life as good as theirs? If not better, because I follow God, right? I'm doing the right thing. I'm living God's way. I'm following. I'm worshipping him. Why isn't life favouring me? What the psalmist says here, with what he saw with his own eyes, right? It didn't matter if you did good or bad in life. You know, you just do you, and you do whatever it takes to get a heaven life. That's what he's seeing here in his life. And the psalm, right? It begins to spiral down. It spirals deeper down into a darker place. And we see here, from, from verses 4 onwards, 4 to 12, <coughs> the psalmist's experience of what it's like, what, what, what his experience of the wicked, what they were like, what his experience of the wicked is. So what I'm going to do is, on your tables quick, <coughs> excuse me, grab a pen or grab, and grab a Bible as well, if you need to grab a Bible out or on your phone, have a look at quickly and talk to each other about what do you learn about what the wicked are like from verses 4 to 12. Okay, 4 to 12, what are the wicked like? Have a talk to each other about it. I'm going to give you three minutes. Go. Okay, we'll pull it, put it up there, stumps up there. Just wrap up your conversation. Okay, we'll start this side first. Lads, do you, do you want to uh, shout one out? Uh, what's an attribute of the wicked that we learn about here in verses 4 to 12? Healthy and strong. Healthy and strong. Okay. What about that? Just give, give us some more. <laughs> it's poetic, okay? It's poetry. Come on, it can be, it can be imaginative. <laughs> yes, yeah. So uh, in, in, the, in the link, in the... Uh, yes, the, the NIV, this is the NIV here, the New International Version. It says healthy and strong in two. But um, in the original language, you could perceive it as almost like uh, healthy, strong, fit, maybe, but also fat. Fat. Now, if you're fat in the ancient world, that's actually a, sim a status symbol. It's like, it's actually really good to be fat. Do you know why? You've got lots of food, you've got some money. You're like, cool, because like, hey man, look at me, I've got a gut. Like, look, at, I'm, I'm meant to be, I'm poor, right? Like, I've, I've, but it's in the ancient world, right? Not, obviously not today, maybe, maybe not today, but in the ancient world, being, being healthy and strong, being fat, 
is actually a really good thing. And so this guy's thinking, man, these guys are good because they're fat. Okay, what else? Uh, ladies, what, what's another thing we love about the wicked? That they set their minds and tongues against God. Okay, you got a, you got a verse, you got a verse there. Um, yeah, so nine. Not uh, yeah, nine and ten. Yeah, yeah nine yeah. and ten. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, their mouths lie high to heaven. That's their tongues take possession of the earth. So they're speaking their wickedness, their, their corruption in their lives. Is they're speaking as though as if they own the world, as if they own, as if they were God. That's pretty intense, isn't it? That's the wicked, right? They're speaking as though they are God themselves. They are the gods of the planet, so to speak. Yeah. This table? Any other, any other things? They clothe themselves in violence. Yeah. Okay, that's verse 6. What do you think that means? They clothe themselves in violence. Like, can you wear a baseball bat or something? Is that, is that what it is? Or what is that? Poetry. Think about, think poetry. I said that'd be cool if you could clothe yourself. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, or like clothe yourself in like machine guns or something. I don't know. Obviously, they're machine guns. Any ideas what that what that what that is or what that? They're not just hiding it. It's on the outside. They're not even ashamed of it. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's a tie. It's it's like wearing a t-shirt that would be a weapon. You know, like it's everyday clothing. That's that's their that's their everyday thing that they do. They're violent in every kind of way. It's just straight on. Cool. Thank you. This table? Um, they question God. So verse 11, they say, how can God know the most high yeah. is it is Yeah. It, is it just purely questioning, though? Is it? Do you think? That's a question for everybody. It's like questioning and like trying to disprove God. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of mockery, I think, because it comes off the back of the, uh, where, you know, where, where, you know where they, they, they take claim of, they have claim of the planet. And then they say, well, how can God know? Does, is, he, is he the most high? Does he know everything? As if he does. It's a bit of mockery there. Yeah, that's what the wicked are like. Thank you, Beth. Yep, we'll go with back, back corner. Anything else? Um, there is a limitation of having no limits. Yeah, so there's no limits on uh, the limitations of verse 7. So their, their mind, it's, it's so far gone that there is nothing, there's no limits, there's no boundaries on what they are prepared to do to get ahead in life. There is nothing out of their reach. There's nothing they will not do. Yeah, thanks, Daniel. And this table, last table. Anything else? Mm. Yep, you got a verse there? That's verse a different seven. seven, yeah. Yeah, so the one says iniquity. Yep, which is like kind of Yeah, sort of like bad stuff. But again, it's 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 just this um this self indulgent, overindulgent lifestyle they have. The the fat concept, being physically fat, but also they just want to amass more wealth. They want to be more indulgent, they want to live the life more so. That's the wicked. That's pretty intense poetic stuff there, images, right? And so, in verses 10 to 12 there, you see that the effect that these wicked people have on others. You know, good people will follow these people, maybe, because 
they think that's the best life that they could ever have. Or, you know, these people, they, they, these wicked people, they, they, pay, they play a pivotal role in influencing other people around them to disregard God. They make a joke out of him. And so verse 12 there, it basically sums up the premise of the wicked person's life. It says, this is what the wicked are like. Always carefree, they increase in wealth. That's, that's a good summation, I think. That's a good summary of what the wicked are like. It's like the more corrupt they behave and live their life in this kind of, in this kind of realm, this kind of corruption, the more prosperous they become. How's that fair? <laughs> How's that right? Who could these people be? Who could these kinds of people be? And it's a pretty extreme description, right? <clears throat> you might think, you know, these people are really evil. They're wicked people. So evil. Right? Like the Joker? Like, have you seen the Dark Knight? Jed's seen the Dark Knight, haven't you? Yeah. Is that terrifying? <laughs> He's terrifying. Because this guy, right? I don't think he's a Dark Knight, but... Like, it's, it is chaos. Joker just resembles chaos and evil. And he does what he does purely because he loves it, right? And he, he thinks he's living a life. But, you see, a person doesn't necessarily have to have all these qualities that the Psalms describe to you to feel like they're wicked or to be wicked. In fact, it's like in everyday people, like you and me, I think. Everyday people. You might know people like this right now in your life who have some or all or, or many of these attributes. You know, at your work, at home, at, even at your classes at uni. You know, they're, they're fit, healthy, well-off people. They seem to have no dramas, no issues about life. They don't struggle. They're good at what they do. They're talented. They're gifted. Their lifestyle, when you look at their lifestyle, it seems like it's really fun. It's a really attractive lifestyle. And they believe that they are deserving of it because of who they are. You might be at working, working at a job or some kind. Maybe even after uni, you've got a job in a professional career and you're working in such a way that, you know, you're working hard, honestly, but you see a colleague who's working in such a way that will earn them a promotion and it will help them succeed, but they did whatever it takes to get that promotion. They do whatever it takes to get them on top because it doesn't matter how people feel. It doesn't matter about people's feelings or people's status or people's situation because what matters is the money. What matters is the wealth. What matters is the kudos behind that. That's what, that's what matters to that kind of person. And so you might be thinking, well, see that person that's doing all that stuff? He's going to get a promotion? Gee, that's really attractive. I want to have that kind of life because I can get ahead. I can be at the top of the ladder if I do what she does or he does. You might have friends or, or friends that, friend or friends that, that like having a good time going out on a night out. And you might go out with them and, and, and to them... The paradigm is, or the rule is, there's no rules. There's no rules, no boundaries. There's no limit to what they can do or what you should do. They do whatever they want, and they say whatever they want to have a good time. Because no one's feelings matter. No one matters. 
There's no such thing as an expense. It's all about them. They do whatever they want with whoever they want, whatever they want to do. And you see it and you think, well, gee, that's really attractive. I want to, be, I want to have that kind of life because that looks kind of fun. It's not hard to look at someone else's life that you know who's doing this and, and even on social media or Instagram or Facebook and, and you think, gee, they're doing whatever it takes and they've got it better than me, way better than me. And this is the, the move in, in this psalm, the next move in this psalm, in verses 13 on Luke, 13 and 20, we learn about the psalmist's struggle with this particular idea. Right? How he gets a renewed perspective on these wicked people. You see, in verses 13 and 14 here, <coughs> excuse me, you read how hard, how insanely hard he's worked to not give up, not to give in to the wicked life, and not to give up on God. Like he works insanely hard at not giving into the whatever kind of life at whatever kind of cost of lifestyle. Yeah, he's physically trying not to give into that. And uh, it doesn't change the fact that he has serious doubts about that. He's got some serious doubts, as we established at the start. And, uh, you know, it says here that in verse, um, sorry, verse 14, he's been plagued. He's been punished every morning for it. And um, I think, you know, giving in here would mean betraying his relationship that's what it would mean. Giving in could have betrayed other believers too, right? People who, who also follow God because it could perhaps encourage them to live the same life as these wicked people. It says in here in verse 15. But whatever uh, the psalmist does here in these, in these two verses here, I think it's a positive step forward. It's a positive step forward in trying to overcome his doubts and his struggles. He expresses his full honesty to God, how he's feeling about it. Just as we heard last week in Psalm 23, this week we're seeing this psalmist do the same thing. He's expressing how much he is struggling with it. Look at what it says in verse 16. I'm going to read it. It says, When I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me. Till, verse 17, Till I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. You see, to be able to make sense of what was happening around him with these wicked people prospering and him being a good person and not being able to get better, better at life or getting ahead at life, he needed to consult God. He needed to consult God to get into his sanctuary. And so it became all clearer when he did consult God because God revealed to him the outcome of those who choose to live the wicked life. The psalmist's perspective, it's renewed. It's renewed about these people. Whatever these people do in their life, whatever they're going to do, whether it's going to be evil or good or corruption or not corruption, they will be held accountable to God at the end of the day when they meet him at the end of their life. The slippery kind of lifestyle that these people choose to live, it will be their ruin. A sign of their end. They will be, it will be like a bad dream. Right? That, will, that people will wake up from and God will make every effort to wipe that away from your mind. 
The psalmist, he's got doubts about a wicked lifestyle, but fully knows of where it would lead to if he did pursue it. Which leads into our final part of the psalm in verses 21 to 28. Because we read here that the psalmist, he confesses his mistake. He confesses his doubts, his failings, and he, and he also commits himself to God again. You see, in verses 21 and 22 here, to think that <clears throat> living a wicked life, living the wild life, would actually be a better way of living, that's, that's a massive mistake. He, he sees that. He realises that would be a really big mistake. His heart would be grieved by that. His spirit embittered. In his weakness, to even entertain the thought. Even entertain the thought. It's like being a stupid animal. It's, it says in my version here, um, a brute beast. Does, that, does anyone else have that? Brute beast? A stupid animal. So what I want you to do is, on your table again, talk about what is the stupidest animal that you know. Go. Go. Okay, we'll, start, we'll go backwards. This table, Chicken. dumbest animal you know? Chicken. Chicken. Why? Yeah, Why are they dumb? They just peck, they just peck stuff. Okay, cool, thank you. Back table. Got one? What? Donkeys. Donkeys are dumb? Why? Why, Joy? Don't know why. Okay, they just look dumb. Look dopey. This time? Did you have one? Um, well, we did have donkey as well. Okay. But we decided it was probably more stubborn than stupid. But sheep. Sheep? Yeah. Why sheep? Why are sheep the dumb? Stupidest animals ever. <laughs> they just are. Okay, yep. <laughs> Alright, okay, yep, yep. We'll go, we'll go to we'll evaluate this more thoughts here. Yep. Do you agree on sheep? No. What? what? You had a different one? <laughs> We, we did. What? We, we had Pumba, the warthog from the Lion King. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> why is. Is it him? Is it a guy? A male? Yeah. 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 Why is he dumb? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I said an enemy. So you said who? An enemy. The fish or the <laughs> sea creature? <laughs> 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 they, they don't appear to have any rationalisation what would they do with their life. And they, okay. they just they sort of float along. response to whatever's going on. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> you, you boys, you know what the enemies are? No. Yeah, they they got no What's your dumbest animal? Starfish. Why? Starfish. Why? <laughs> why? 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. That's weird. Anyway. Yep. Ladies. <laughs> Ladies. You got one? No. Someone? Um. Lydia. Emma. A pig. Yeah. Good. Good. What? Can you go? Why? Eating without thinking. Yeah, cool. Yeah, they just, they just eat anything, right? That's weird, right? I've got, I've, I've got a few, but I don't know. If there's, there's no... I don't know. I don't know what the dinosaur was. Okay, I've just, I've just got some ideas. Okay, the first one I ate was a, a panda. Oh, what? Yeah, what? pandas are really dumb, okay? You know why? They, they eat bamboo, but they're actually carnivorous animals. They actually can eat meat. <laughs> but they, they choose to they're eat vegan. stupid bamboo. Maybe they just care about the environment, dude. No, but, but the thing is, that's why they're like this. They're all dopey. Because they don't have enough energy to even reproduce. So, so it actually affects their, 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 their future, their children. They, can't, they don't have enough nutrients. They, they should be eating meat. They've got teeth, but they eat bamboo. Dumb. The second one I thought was a koala. Why are koalas dumb? Well, 
their brain is 2% of their body weight. And, yes, what, what was that? Go, go, go. What was that? No. Go, no, say it properly. Say it. I heard it. It's to do with chlamydia. Who said that? Who said Tyson said about chlamydia? Koalas, 90% of koalas have chlamydia. Does anyone know what chlamydia is? It's an STD. And so they, they just, and also, they eat eucalyptus leaves. Yeah, eucalyptus leaves actually make koalas drunk. So they always are grumpy. They're always drunk all the time. Two dumb animals. That's my, that's, that's, that's my suggestion. There's no, I, there's, I don't know if you've done so. You can have a chat over dinner. But you know what? These dumb animals, right? Okay. That, that's what the psalmist is saying. That, that's, what, that's what he was like when he's considering living a wicked life. But people, I reckon, have the ability to, to come to your senses, to realise our mistakes, to realise our foolishness. In confessing our human weakness to God, he will provide us strength to, to get through this life and on to the next, to realise, hey, we're in error, we need to confess before God our mistakes, to be redeemed by him. Which is where he lands in verse 28 here. This is where he lands at the end here, right? He says, it is good to be near God. It is good to be near him. Hey, buddy. Which is where it lands. Because it's a relationship that we can have with God, right? He's holding on. God is holding on to the Christian person's right hand. That's what he's doing. He's leading. He's protecting through these injustices that we are seeing in life. The wicked ones, they won't experience this. They won't even get an opportunity to experience this of knowing God. But the Christian person does. Christians, they've experienced every spiritual blessing through Jesus. Every spiritual blessing. Because we are given the Holy Spirit. That's how good it is to know God. That's how good it is to be near God. And even when life today, you're living life now, and it's not as good as the person next year. It's not as good as the person who's doing all the corrupt things in life. You can be assured that through God being good to you, you need to remember that, and through Jesus being good to you, if you continue to have faith in Jesus, you'll be with him in eternity. So, my question is, how does ultimately knowing what God has done in your life to encourage you to turn to him in your struggles and in your doubts, how does knowing that particularly when you're making comparisons to the people next to you, right? How are you feeling assured even though you have doubts about the people around you and how they've got it better? How is, how is your faith being grounded in God for eternity? Because the choice we make about whether we should or shouldn't do a wicked lifestyle or, or have wicked behaviour in our life is a difference between being near to God and being far from Him or being separated from Him. So friends, take, take heart when you hear, when you see, sorry, corrupt behaviour around you, people prospering through corrupt behaviour. It might be attractive, but we should remind that God is God and He'll ultimately judge people fairly and righteously in the way that He'll do best. Thanks, Dave. That was really good. Um, okay. We have a song. Excellent.
finished during the psalm series, especially because it's a book that was um, largely written in a poetic, song-like nature, so we feel like that's a good time to take some time to worship God in this one specifically. So if you guys want to stand, um, we're going to sing this one. 